Welcome to Wednesday in Westeros, the show where we discuss the Game of Thrones TV show and some of the books. I'm your host, Taylor Trask. With me... I'm Todd A. And I like... I can't believe you got through all those W's without... I know. I know. <laughs> that was like and the it, first week where we haven't had a bunch of noise and stuff to kick it off. That's right. And But but I, it's a show about a show, so that, that threw me for just a second. But it's another yeah. it's another week. Episode two is in the can. It just came out last night. We're recording this on a Monday after episode two aired. And oh my goodness, there is so much to discuss. I in, I don't even know where to begin on that. So let's let's instead like begin with episodes. yeah yeah let's let's instead begin with um actually since our last episode aired, we've been getting fan mail. Can you believe it? That is it's so exciting. We've gotten people, folks. People actually listen. <laughs> folks are out there listening. They're they're commenting anonymously, uh, so they're not they're not quite they're a little shy. They're not putting their comments out there yet. But I'm actually going to read uh, some notes from two of our fans, both uh, female fans, believe it or not. We have Samantha from Denver, friend of mine, and she says, and I'm I'm quoting her here. Hopefully, she doesn't she doesn't think I'm taking her too out of context. But she wrote something that I found was was especially interesting. She says, okay, you guys totally reinforce my stereotype that dudes love action at all costs. It reminds me of watching Star Wars with my brother as a kid. He always fast-forwarded the conversation parts for the battle scenes. And I think it's funny. It's Todd is saying how much he loves these episodes where there's just huge battles. Oh my God, I hate those episodes. I honestly can't even follow it to know who's winning or who is on what side. I, you know... There's some there. There's a fair point here because I think we did get a little bit really excited. And I think I think last episode we talked a lot about how you know Hard Home was just amazing and anything where there's action is amazing. But let's be clear, this we do that because the show has so <laughs> often been just just episode after episode, especially last season of just nothing, no action. I mean, it doesn't have to be action in a in a physical sense, just moving of the plot forward. You know, what are your thoughts? I exactly what you said. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I just can't say that enough. Like, uh, I, I, what really, you know, drew me into it, we may have talked about this off air, but I think we did it on, on one of our previous two podcasts was what really drew us in were those, those politics of yeah. season one and season two. Yep. Um, and a little bit in season three. And I mean, I thought that I thought season, season two to me was so wonderful in, yep this soap opera politic backstabbing quality that it had. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I was like gossiping with people, you know, just about like, what's little finger up to and stuff like that. Um, But it's definitely a reaction to the last two seasons, which is I want action to happen. Yeah. Um, It always felt good when it was like kind of the, the crown at the end of the season. Like, let's just, you know, let's put this, the battle of, uh, Blackwater Bay in episode nine or something. But at this point with all the, you know, and, and especially because my big uh, uh, grief with the finale of last season where we didn't actually see anything strike, you know, we yeah. see Brian like take a swing at Stannis. We see Sansa and, and Theon jump over the wall, but we don't see them land. We don't see Stannis' yep. head come off. So it's like, God, finally, we need to see, you know, people getting smashed against walls. Which will lead us or into just, this episode, <laughs> or just things happen, things happening in general. You know, like Brienne's yeah, moment was so kick ass. Well, Brienne's moment was so kick ass last last episode. Be, not be, I mean, it was kick ass, yes, because it was action, but not 
it was more kick-ass because finally something happened with Sansa that was forwarding her character and giving her a little retribution for all the shit she's been through. You know, totally. like she's gone through I, all this stuff, and finally, finally, she gets her a small moment of recompense. You know, for for all of that. Totally, I, I really appreciate this comment too, though, because it lets me know like what the perception of of what we're saying, and um, there is a bit of like. I'm, you know, I, I have checked out of the story a little bit where I just want stuff to happen, you know? So it's, that kind of gave me like a, 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 you know, check yourself moment where I was like, oh, really? Am I really just skipping the story just for the, the action or something? Yeah. But Uh, let's be honest too, like hard home. And in fact, I'm just going to say from this point on any episode with the word home in it it is going to (laughs) instantly gain my trust. Last night we had home. The last season we had hard home. I should go back through and see if there's other episodes that have the word home in it that were equally good because that just seems yeah. to be that seems to be what it is. So so yes, we will we we to be to on the record, we both love the politics of it. We love the story with the character developments, but we just need stuff to happen too. It can't just be everybody sort of sitting around wondering and nothing, you know, nothing happening, which is the bulk of what happened last season. Um well, the other thing that I love about this comment is because it it uh, pulls into a like a larger discussion I have in my head about um, the fandom of things, you know, things in general, but the show in particular, which is like I felt like I was such a huge fan for those first several seasons, and I have in many ways been alienated by the show, and um, so you know, it's it's like. I, you know, I just, I think like, well, am I not appreciating the stuff I used to appreciate? Like I'm just looking for the action because that's not what it used to be. Yeah. And then I just go, no, that's just this dumb show. Like they lost me, you know, over season five. So, well, no, let's be honest, they've been doing this for six years too. So, you know, we were hit, we've hit that point where yeah. much like loss, like stuff's got to start happening. Um, I have one more, one more letter, but before I, I mention that, if you, are listening and want to write in you can tweet us uh you can leave a comment in the in the show you know wherever you find this either uh, you know, on a soundcloud on facebook wherever you find it shoot, shoot us a private message we'd love to hear from listeners so if you're out there and you want to contribute or ask a question or shoot us a a, a comment or conspiracy theory or you just you just don't like what we're saying let us know let us know we'll we'll read it yeah, off yeah we're, we're, happy, we're happy to hear anything um on that you know, note and, and uh we're good one of the comments I got this week was from uh, from my friend Brian, who um, uh, wanted wanted he wants credit for the phrase "Ned's head," and demanded it's yours. <laughs> given that credit. In it is yours. What, what's um, what's the what's the uh, what's the oath that Sansa gave out? We'll 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 anoint Brian with the Ned's head comments. You know, but at the, at the end of the show, I'll find that, that he and appreciates. We'll, we'll give it to him. Yeah, and you know what? If if people go to toddandtaylor.com, Although we are planning a relaunch of this site, uh, our tweets are on there. So it is easy to jump down and find us on Twitter there or go to the SoundCloud links and leave comments on SoundCloud, however you want to do it, like Taylor said. It's all good. Exactly. We have another comment from Christy in Minnesota. She wrote a lot of different things, but it kind of summed up – I can sum it up by just simply saying, stop stop spoiling things from the books that aren't in the books but are fan theories, meaning stop talking about things on this show that aren't – necessarily canon yet but are spoilery and that fans have been talking about it and hey i don't read the book so don't talk about that because it's going to spoil the show i found that a little interesting because it it hit on something you and i were talking about uh earlier this week and just about spoilers in general um you know yeah 
there are so many things about that. I mean, one thing um, is, uh, if anything, last night's episode showed us how stupid it is for HBO to police these spoilers, you know, and and even believe that they can get away with people thinking like Jon Snow's actually dead. Yeah. Um, so it, to me, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I absolutely do not want to um, uh, push back on people who are actually listening to our, our show. But I do think what you and I have talked about is, um, you know, if you've watched the show for going on six years at this point and have actively decided not to read the books, like that's kind of on you. I mean, I have to, <laughs> I, I defer to the, the, the brilliant uh, judge, John Hodgman, who in his podcast <laughs> once ruled on spoilers um, you know, it was kind of like, if you don't know that Darth Vader is Luke's father, like, I'm sorry to tell well, you the thing of like, we'll give you a few months or a year to catch up. But we're like six years into this. And the books, be honest, the books have been be around little, for almost 20. True, true. But but to I, um, to in their defense, there is something a little bit if you are only watching the show, I can see where it would be a little aggravating if all of a sudden you're hearing, oh, you know, that R plus J equals J you know, or R plus. Uh, uh, no, I'm just going to forget the whole thing. L. R plus L equals yes. J, or Tyrion is a secret Targaryen, all of that stuff. Although n- this is a show where we we love that stuff, you know. So we're not going to be we're not going to hold you know pull any punches. We love the conspiracy theories. We love diving into what the books have foreshadowed that the show could do or couldn't do. I think that's half the fun of what we're doing here. So, um, well, and yeah, and I mean, I take her point too. The uh, the other thing that you and I talked about is that you and I we we like pulling in some of that stuff, but we're not heavy on the conjecture. No. Oh, conjecture no. like we're not when we're not we're we're definitely not heavy on the the tinfoil hat kind of conspiracy stuff um i actually did a ton of homework this week um listening to episodes of some other game of thrones podcasts watching a lot of videos on how everyone else is doing this um and it's kind of like if you if you just want to watch the shows and not get spoiled mm-hmm. uh the cast of kings podcast is awesome if yeah. you want to explore every crazy tinfoil hat uh, conspiracy storm of spoilers podcast is awesome but yeah. if you want the kind of like middle of the road like we're gonna pull in some stuff that you know is a, is on the periphery but we're not we're not gonna go deep down those conspiracy rabbit holes and stuff so so yeah i don't i don't want to be cruel about it like oh i'm you know i still know stuff from the books i mean believe me the fact that you know no viewers knew about the red wedding or john's death like should attest to the fact that book readers can keep a damn secret yeah <laughs> or show know. watchers just aren't interested in googling um right exactly point. yeah there's so many people who experienced it like you did who wanted to know a little bit more and went into you know wikipedia or a wiki of ice and fire and yep and read up on stuff like that so yeah i mean i i don't mean to uh offend christy or, or sound like a jerk about that but we definitely want to make our spoiler policy a little bit more clear like we're going to talk about Stuff that we think makes the show more interesting. And, and again, the show last night kind of bore out a lot of the stuff. And it, yep. you know, it's pretty cool, I think, to talk about that openly, you know. Well, before we get to last night, let's, are there any things from episode one that we missed that we want to cover? Yeah, any there's hanging definitely. Hanging chads, so to speak. I'll tell you the, the biggest hanging chad that w- just blew my mind. And, to dig up a nugget I, from 2000. <laughs> Sorry. The, the cast, of Kings, cast of Kings podcast mentioned this. Um, and I, I mean, literally like split my head open when I heard this. So because everyone I think who watched it was like, what the hell happened with that murder of Tristane? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Martell, right? All mm-hmm. the names have escaped me at this point. I've, I've read so many of them again. Um, Doran's son. Doran Martell. We talked about it. We were like, "How did 
How did the the two stand stakes get to that boat? What's going on? Or is it the same boat that Jamie was just on? Isn't Braun on it? What's going on? Yeah. Everyone was talking about this last night. Like it just made no sense. So when Prince Duran, he is handed a little note before Ilaria stabs him in episode one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there is a official HBO blog called makinggameofthrones.com. Mm-hmm. And on this, they posted the, that, the props from that episode. And one is that note. And that note says, the Princess Marcella died by poison on our return journey. I suspect Alaria, not you, but my oh. sister will demand war. I doubt Alaria's head will appease her. It is a start along with your nieces. Your son cannot stay in King's Landing. I am sending him back on the same ship. Oh, so this is what Jamie wrote to Prince Duran that Prince Duran read right before Alaria stabbed him. Gotcha. And it at least, I mean, we still don't have a good timeline there, but it at least explains that ship was in the harbor of King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Jamie rode in with Marcella's body, and he sent that ship right back to Water Gardens or Sunspear. It still doesn't um, explain where, how the other two sand snakes appeared on that ship, though. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. It's very weird to think that they rode in some like cargo hold. Well, because I went know, back and watched, and they're all they're all hanging out on the dock at the end of last season. So yeah. they're all hanging out there in their little dresses. You know, they're not wearing their sort of their combat attire. So not only did they change, they changed and somehow snuck onto that boat. And I'm not saying they couldn't, but I just at least give us a, a little bit more context before you kind of drop that scene on us. Cause it just, it almost feels, feels a lot like that. It's going to be the worst comparison ever, but it feels a lot like that scene in Batman begins where after he, uh, you know, sort of defeat slash rescues Ra's al Ghul, like, uh, Bruce Wayne, he, it cuts from him on like the Himalayan mountaintop to <laughs> magically walking down a runway and, and Alfred's just hanging out there going, hey, Master Bruce, you've been dead for seven years. I'm like, when did he call Alfred? That's a weird reaction for Alfred to have just after no content. Like, what is happening right yeah. now? Like, and, and granted, you, you just want to move the movie along at that point. But like, 10 seconds of him, like, you know, you know, busking a cell phone in like some village somewhere and be like, Alfred, you know, like that that would have been all I needed. But it distracted me like almost the I, yeah. entire movie. I'm just like, what? What? How did that happen? So much like, you know, those little moments – it's it's tricky and that could just be me but those little moments do if they're not clarified they they just sort of hang like a haze like a fart a big fart over the episode you know and you just kind of keep you keep whiffing it you try to like wipe it away and it's still there yeah i that's i love that we have a new uh storytelling um uh disgusting storytelling uh uh, term now you know it's just a narrative fart the narrative fart yep but i i mean i just i really do wonder like is there footage that we didn't see of them mm. like rowing out in the dark of night and climbing on that boat or something? And they just went, you know what? We don't have time to put this in. Yeah. Because at, the very at least pop it on your YouTube channel or something. Give people, you know, know. it's so weird. People will watch that stuff. Come on. Yeah. Come on. HBO. So the, the other thing I wanted to bring up about that, and it's really funny if you want to listen to book readers who are super annoyed by the whole Dorn plot, uh, definitely listen to cast of Kings. Um, or storm of spoilers, but you know what? What I had to refresh my memory on is all that history and everything, um, and what Doran Prince Doran has been doing all along um, is uh, he has a secret plot w- to partner with the Targaryens to defeat the Lannisters and and take back the throne. And this is in the um, books, not in the yeah, show. And, it's not clearly explained. Right. Know if it even is a thing. And so this is why readers are are annoyed with it because he. 
you know, in, in the last season or whenever he was introduced, which I think was maybe just last season, mm-hmm. you know, he just seemed like a boring character. But readers kind of knew, well, under the surface, he's the plotting master. Like, he's the Varus of Dorne, you know, where he's got, yeah. like, there is a, a Targaryen that, you know, no one's met, a little little Aegon who is, uh, you know, at the heading out to meet Danny or something. And mm-hmm. I can't even remember what happens to him. And then there's also, like, a Martell um, that does meet up with Tyrion and, and Daenerys and everything and, and Marine. Um, so he's sent like these sort of envoys to like, you know, uh, a treaty with, with, uh, with what's going on with Daenerys and, and help bring about this overthrow of the Lannisters, I guess. And so there's this, you know, because that's the, the, the Dornish hate the Lannisters because yeah. of what they did to, well, maybe, they're, yeah. trying to con- but, maybe um, they're trying to condense that or move that faster with all of a sudden now than poisoning. It, it definitely. And it, see, that's one of those things that I just I think where the show is making a good decision, which is, yes, it was great. But do we need another schemer introduced now in season six when we know like we only really have what I think has now been confirmed as 13 more episodes past this season? Is it is it 13? Is it? And I'm, are they I'm splitting not totally it? Do we know sure. Yet? But I. Um, no, I don't know anything other than I saw the number 13 go out there. Okay. And I think that was also thrown out as like, we, you know, someone just thinks it'll be 13. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're just, they're just trying to shortcut that. And we've got enough players in this game of Thrones. We don't necessarily need two more no. that Prince Duran is manipulating from afar. Well, like, Alaria can already take that role on. She has, she has more cause, you know, it's like for yeah. them to introduce as much as I love Alexander uh, Seidig the actor who plays yeah. Prince Dur- like I love that guy. He's in a lot of cool stuff. They didn't give much to do. He was more, I think they cast him more for his sort of calm regalness than anything else. And it's like, why give him yet another thing? Uh, especially because, you know, now Pike's back in the mix again too. It's like, it just, it, I, I appreciate <laughs> where this is, where, where they're deviating in this, in this case. Well, yeah. And one of the things that uh, Joanna Robinson said on cast of Kings is she's, she's so annoyed by this and annoyed by the fact that like, Maybe they were responding to last season's um, vitriolic feedback about the yeah. you know Sansa storyline and other um, anti you know woman storylines where they've decided okay we're going to have some strong female characters, um, but you know she's saying yeah but they're not really giving these female characters a lot of strength they're sort of you know they've just sort of turned them into killers um and you know we don't really know that Ilaria is like a plotter you know she never has been i'm gonna go um, on the limb and say i don't think they re- i don't think benioff and weiss the showrunner slash writers of most of the episodes i don't think they respond to jack shit i don't think they i honestly don't think they i mean they may look at or or hear about it after the fact but i think at the very least it's just simply oh okay like i don't think they have any ambition to respond to I mean, because think about the, just the bombardment of, of feedback from, yeah, exactly. from us, from fans who are, you know, passionate about the books and hate the show and passionate about the show and hate the books. Like all these people just, I mean, if they gave into that even a little bit or even tried to, like it would never end. So I feel like they are just locked away. And if, if, if there's any sort of, if it feels like it's a response, it's more coincidental than anything. Um, or it's well, just, I, that, you know, it's the lens yeah. we're seeing it through. And I can't imagine this like crazy chessboard that they have arranged with like how they get characters to what place by what episode and how they're going to shoot that. I mean, they've got so many logistical problems to deal with that, you know, I I mean, yeah, I take Joanna's point. Um, I understand, you know, the the, the problems there, but in the, for the sense of expediting things, 
yeah, let's just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. I'd much rather have the Martells involved, um, you know, as like either the, uh, you know, helping bring down the Lannisters or the, uh, the vehicle through which like Danny, you know, may land in Dorne or something when she comes to Westeros. So mm-hmm. like that, that might be interesting that we've established that as a place. So, sure. you know, like when Daenerys shows up, that's what it is. But yeah, let's not get into this whole thing. I mean, for God's sakes, that whole like kidnapping plot of Marcella takes up <sighs> so much space yeah. in books four and five and just goes nowhere. I mean, you know, by the end of it, there's like, yeah, there aren't, I don't think there's any, uh, anything really cool that's happened there's no resolution to any of it so yeah um yeah i'm happy about that but let's, um yeah i think that's pretty much all we need to say about last episode yeah Unless let's you, you and i else. no no let's you and i get on with it and actually dive into the the meat of episode two and oh what a feast it was um Man. I, I guess first impressions from you what what are when after it had ended what was the feeling you left with i i it felt um it, it it felt very triumphant. Like it had delivered on so many things that we needed to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, if I pull back one step, I think it did in a lot of places feel like we were fast forwarding through a bunch of plots mm-hmm. to get things all to happen. But that's also, that's what I've, what I felt in other episodes like that, where they just, yeah. you know, they, they, they work the suspense out so long and then they decide like, we're going to tie it all up in one episode, you know? Yep. So yep. What did you think? I mean, as a, you know, as, a, as felt, a non-reader. Yeah, it felt like a throwback to seasons two and three. It had that feeling of like, and part of it was because, you know, we saw more character with character moments than we have before. Um, kind of echoing what we said last time where, you know, we need to get people back together again to kind of give that, right. chemi- you know, give that chemistry boost that we've been looking for. So we had a lot of that and we'll detail that as we go. Uh, but it had, it just had the, the, the nice mix of, of, WTF moments, both good and bad, with you know suspense and and some some you know kind of slower, more methodical stuff still that still fe- felt right. It, just, it felt like I was watching. It gave me the feeling like, and I, I was hoping for this too. I'm like, if we can just get back to that that vibe of of season two and three, and this really kind of kind of brought me back to that. I felt like I felt for, like it was four years ago, and we were you know in that in that same kind of run of episodes. So that was good. And, you know, I'll start with a scene that I don't think either of us put in the notes, but I think is such a great example of that is the scene between um, Jamie and the High Sparrow, mm, which was yes. like so full of menace yeah. and the threat of violence or action of some sort. But it was really two men talking about politics. Yeah. You know, yep. And one of them just having like a really brute force sense of politics and threatening, even though he didn't act on it, and the other one having this this really detached, like little finger kind of, you know, <laughs> pulling the strings. You know, we're men with no homes and no families and no fortunes, and we're going to take over an empire. And it's like that is like actually way scarier than what Jamie just said to him. Casting you know, Jonathan uh, Price as the High Sparrow was one of the best. I mean, they made a lot of good casting decisions, but that was one of the best ones they ever did. Yeah. Jonathan Price has this weird way of delivering innocent dialogue with an undercurrent of 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 some kind of mischief or sinister aspect to it yeah everything he says is the high sparrow you can take it on both sides of the coin you can take it completely two-faced you can take it oh yeah he's just being you know he's just a simple we are just simple papas and you know we don't at the same time like you can just see in his face he's like he has bigger machinations at play he has you know he knows a bigger game is going on even even though he won't admit it 
Um, you know, someone like that to take to take the power that they did and the time they did with you know minimal resources isn't dumb. You know, isn't just some innocent pauper. Like there is, there's definitely yeah. something going on there, and that was on display in that scene. I really dug it. Well, and I think there's there is a thing. I mean, not to play this card too many times, but there is a thing that that the sh- the show has already um, fast forwarded a little bit with that with the faith militant um, s- storyline. You know, because as I recall in the books, it was a very drawn out thing where <clears throat> you know it's established that, that like all of a sudden there are these men in the city and you know in the sept and and they're very like you know they're very militant. Uh, people in the faith and like it was sort of this like you know as cersei is losing control of king's Mm -hmm. landing Mm -hmm. this other power is growing and in the show we really just saw it as like all of a sudden they're there and lancel Mm -hmm. is one of them um and so i do like those scenes where jonathan price is like yeah you know (laughs) speaking very calmly with this like terrifying threat underneath yeah yeah subtext to it because it's that's sort of making up for the time that like, we don't want to watch all the exposition of just like, you know, what are we just going to have a bunch of wide shots of like all these guys in monk robes, like slowly gathering, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, it, you know, it's a good substitute for that. I, I appreciate it. Um, What's the scene you would like to jump to after that? Well, let's get the big the big one out of the way first. You know, the, oh really? Okay, yeah. And of just... course, you're talking about the giant smashing that dude into the wall. Exactly. Well, which one? There's oh there's, man. There's essentially I know we had two giants smashing two dudes into walls. There's the main. There's the actual giant. Uh, one 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 one. Which you know, as soon as as soon as the so so they're trying. We're talking about the scene at the wall where they're you know the wildlings are are coming in because they're they're about to take John's body and kill the you know, kill his his friends and Davos and all those guys. All of a sudden, the wildlings come in, and you hear, like, the boom, boom. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, the giant's back. And sure enough, one one comes running in, and they yeah. all come running in. And he gets shot with the arrow. And it was almost like – like, the the look at his face is like, what the hell? Like, it was, it was like, pure annoyance. It wasn't even like, oh, that yeah. hurt. It was just like, what the – what? Really? You know? That, uh, honestly – to Samantha's dismay, all I wanted when that giant showed up was I was like, just please pick up one dude and crush <laughs> pick him. Pick up Ollie. I wanted him to pick up Ollie oh, and just hurdle him across the thing. The the treacherous little shit is still there. And he's like, did you notice when they carted them away? It was only um uh what's the the main former Lord Commander? Uh oh, Alistair. Alistair and Ollie were the only ones who got carted away. Did you notice that? I I thought there were others, but um and even though I rewatched it, I I can't recall. But I, I, I'd sort of, I sort of thought that, like in the background, a couple of guys were, were shoved off screen. But maybe, yeah. yeah. But Ollie, I mean, it's like the what a what a weird turn he went through. I mean, and granted, it's it's it is character true. It's not like he did something out of character. It's just that he doubled down so hard on his wildling hatred that it's just like he's become like little Alistair Junior. You know, after being groomed yeah. by Jon Snow and like all it's it's oh my god. So the fact that he's he's gonna meet a gruesome little end, I would hope. I at mean, some point. The wildlings murdered his parents right in front of him. I get that, and I understand, <laughs> and I understand that. But it's just like as much. It's like John's influence had no bearing on him whatsoever. You know, it was just like he's. I don't know. It just it would have been. At, I'm at that point now where even though that's true and that's a terrible thing, and yes, you feel bad, and, and maybe there's a whole show that could be built built around this kid. I, I don't care. Like I just want him gone. <laughs> I want like <laughs> black and white justice for these people at the wall. Yeah, it would be great if he learned something, wouldn't it? Like, yeah, that it was, was like, oh, all wildlings aren't like the thins or whatever. Because yeah. I think it was the thins that 
no, 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 it wasn't the Thins. It was the Wadlings because that's where he saw you greet, and that's why he, you know, killed her. Oh, uh, okay. He recognized her from the raid on his village. Gotcha. Um, yeah, <laughs> Some, someone on one of those other podcasts pointed out that, like, Ollie is responsible for killing two of the most beloved characters yep. on the show. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, but the so... Other, the other giant scene was, obviously, Sir Robert Strong, which was, I, you know... I, when they introduced him, yeah, you because know, it's clearly the mountain. I mean, we all know that, right? Yeah, I don't understand why there's any any doubt about that. Is there? I I think I don't think there should be any doubt amongst viewers. I think in the world, uh, I think everybody still knows it's the mountain. But like, there, it's almost like they gave him this new name to make him more terrifying. Because if it was just the mountain, you know, and they kept saying, "Oh, it's the mountain." There he is. They knew he died, or you know. But when he's Sir Robert Strong, you never see his face. It gives him kind of a more menacing you sort of. Feeling. That's a good point. You know, and I think that's, that's kind of why they yeah. they did. You know, in the story, they did that, and you just see. I mean, you know you, who it is, yeah. But the characters in the show don't necessarily understand who it is. And I think you know, even when like <laughs> yeah. the guards came to like you know make sure Cersei didn't go to the funeral, and they're you know they're all sort of they see they see right. him come around the corner, the you know the the mountain come around the corner, and they're just ter- you know they're just shaking in their boots, they're just like hoping to God oh, yeah. he doesn't try to. I think they know who it is. It's like there's only one dude who's that massive and mighty and who but i think at the same time too they're just like the his myth now is bigger than than him right like the myth of the mountain is now it's this sir robert strong this mysterious figure who it's probably the mountain but god who who wants to even ask that question out loud you're gonna get your face bashed in the wall yeah randomly what did you think when that happened that was was that expected did you think that that particular thing was going to happen to that uh, townsman i just you know it was such a like it, that was a, another great throwback to like sort of the Joffrey days, yeah. Uh, where, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, where the hound, he always had the hound going around doing his business, and now yep. we just got another Clegane brother doing it. Um, yeah. But you know, it was it was it was definitely that feeling of like, you know, the the old school <laughs> Game of Thrones. Like that's what I'm saying. Little moments like that really that, had like, had me nostalgic for two and for seasons two and three. You know, like the, yeah callbacks that were new but still had that essence of this is how we used to do things and it's just new and improved um yeah but i love but let's let's go that, those things aside let's talk about the real the real mountain of the scene that was the very <laughs> very end and i totally okay. called it last episode i said by episode three he'd be back and sure enough at the very tippity top of the end of the episode we saw um, we saw the reveal. Did it? What were your thoughts? Did did it happen like you wanted it to? Did you feel like it was was it worth the suspense to you? I, I want to know if you think what, like what'll happen if if episode three opens up and and we see Jon Snow sitting upright on the slab and then he just goes <gasps> and collapses again. <laughs> I, well, they, really they've work. already shown. They foolishly shown a thing where he's walking around the wildlings and like you're a god. They think you're a god. Well, sir. but. We don't see him in that scene, and it's just a voiceover. I think from uh, from what's his name? Oh, um, yeah, the redhead, the redhead. Wildling. They they show all the wildlings kind of back up. Um, oh my god, I cannot believe uh, I just forgot that dude's name. And uh, and yeah, and we hear him talking over it, saying, uh, "Yeah, they think you're a god." But, yeah, but who um, else is it going to be besides him? I know. I I think so. Tormund, too. by the way, Tormund. Tormund Giants Bane. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had to Google that. Yeah. I so I, I'll tell you a really so the thing that was very cool about the whole Melisandre scene for me um, is that again in the books the story of uh, Thoros of Mir 
resurrecting um, uh, Beric Dondarrion mm-hmm. is that Thoros was sort of this drunken, like, you know, just like a, a gadabout kind of guy who didn't really believe the religion that he preached. Gotcha. And he whispered this prayer when Beric was killed and Beric came back to life. And then he became this huge convert and mm. like, oh my gosh, I did not realize what the Red God could do. Gotcha. So to me, they played that whole scene out in Melisandre, which I thought was so cool because mm-hmm. it was like she has been stripped of all her power. She, you know, she feels vulnerable. She feels like uh, worthless. Uh, you know, Davos comes to her with this, you know, good but weird speech. Like, why is he the one <laughs> pushing? Well, let's talk about that real quick because <laughs> you know. we'll, we'll come back to this because this is an important point. I've been seeing a lot of conjecture online and comment sections and from people that everything Davos did was very out of character. I happen to totally disagree. Um, it, it, and it's like, they, they're like, why would Davos all of a sudden, why, why does he care about Jon Snow so much? Why is all of a sudden he friends with Melisandre? He hated magic. He didn't believe in any of this. Right. What you have to remember is Davos is a hopeless romantic. Here's a guy who let Stannis cut off his fingers and still followed him because he, Stannis is an honorable man. Mm-hmm. Like, Davos wants so badly to be to believe in something good and just and true. He's almost like the counterpart to Brienne. Like Brienne's sort of knighting scene last week was almost sort of the her equivalent of what Davos wants. You know, he wants somebody who's good and just to just lead the world, and he wants to be at his side. So I think in Jon Snow he saw a lot of that, right? And and yeah, and yeah he had a sort of a smaller exposure to Jon Snow, but given the fact that. His king is dead. His friend, the king's daughter, was miserably killed. Um, The whole army's gone. He knows and has seen stuff north of the wall, so he has an inkling of what's to come. And he heard, obviously, you know, when they came back from Hardhome, he heard tale of what happened. Um, And just his his experience with Jon Snow is like, why wouldn't you want to keep that dude alive? Like, who else is there? You know? that's yeah. and, and for him to go to, to Melisandre, like yeah, he's seen her do her thing. Um, yeah, they haven't uh, they haven't gotten along at all in the past. But if anything, it's it almost speaks more to Davos's character that he's like, you know what, let's try this. You know, well, I, I I like it. Plus, they need the show needs more of those people who I I don't know if it's in the previews for next week. I think it's in trailer two that preceded the season, which is Davos is in. Yeah, it must be in that trailer. He's in. A, <laughs> he's in a uh, some kind of castle or something, and we know it's the Mormont castle because the sigils behind him. Um, and he's saying to them, uh, "The real war is between the dead and the living." Mm-hmm. And it's like we need people that have that perspective yeah. on the show. And I, I think that's why he's pushing so hard for Jon Snow is that somehow he's glimpsed this power that Melisandre has, and he's realized the only way to fight the dead or with these, you know, these big heroes or whatever. So, and it's just um, a cool character moment for the dude who, who doubted her most to suddenly be her yeah, cheerleader. You know, true. that was a really cool moment for him to be like, get out there, middle Sandra, you can, you know, like it was just such a weird, but, but also really cool moment between these two characters. That's what a show needs. You need development between characters and characters to change their opinions over time of, of things based on the situation they're in. That's what a story is. So it felt yeah. like every time I saw somebody bitching about Davos, I'm like, are you, do you understand how 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 fiction works? Like I just I, it, it's such a and yet there's some I mean yeah there's it, some basis to that argument but I, I, that's not who Davos is as a character right like he is, and it's he been five years in. since he was yeah. like angry with Melisandre exactly yeah just just another point of order I always hear people describing um, 
the magic act that Davos first saw with Melisandre as uh, when she gave birth to the smoke baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have been referring to, to it. to go be the lost smoke monster, by the way. Good point. That's well, a... maybe that's why I don't like it. I prefer <laughs> to call it the ghost placenta. Yes. So if we want to refer to it as some way on this podcast, hopefully we'll we'll just refer to it as the ghost the, the ghost, ghost placenta. placenta. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, I Davos is has always had his eye on the bigger picture. Yep. Even even with St- uh, Stannis, you know, like the reason he served Stannis was sort of a bigger picture. Yep. feeling of like he's you know we need the right man in charge not another game of thrones like a bunch of kings fighting each other exactly so yeah i think it's totally in character um uh can i jump oh yeah go back go back because that, that was my little tangent let's, off of melisandre well yeah let's oh so we should go back to melisandre yeah i mean um do you think well first of all to back up a little bit further i do think that if melisandre had wake we would have gotten that more th- Thoros of your moment where like her mm-hmm. faith was re you know instated in her mm-hmm. um it was but uh having watched it twice now i do sort of understand i mean even though it's kind it's kind of a big cliche that we all pretty much saw coming like when everyone leaves the room yeah you know but i do i do think that in the rhythm of that moment it did sort of work because yeah. part of me went, oh, my God, are they going to leave this for another episode? <laughs> I kind of – you know what, though? I'm glad you said I, that because I thought – I really thought they were going to throw him on the fire next episode. That's well, what I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought there – my – and this – I am not alone in this. A bunch of people were kind of on the same – like, we want this. Um, my thought was she was going to sort of you know, basically kickstart or ignite his pilot light with whatever her right. song was. right. And maybe there would be like a, a sort of a, a motion or twitch of the finger or something, but not a full, you know, he's not back to life yet. They'd throw him on the pyre and then he'd triumphantly walk out of the flames, you know, and they'd yeah. feel him to be both Azarahai and a Targaryen and alive. Right. And it, just, it was almost, and when you think about that, as cool as that would be, that's not what the show has ever done. It's never delivered a moment that ridiculously over the top before right so that was never going to happen and someone else pointed out something really because i've always been using the whole daenerys walks out of the flame thing and and you tell me as a book reader because this this was explained to me because i'm like well all the targaryens can can walk out of flames like no 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 no. that that was a one-off thing it's never been established that targaryens are just fireproof in general Uh, that is definitely an argument that uh people make and um, on one of those podcasts that I listened to, I heard a very competent argument that in the show rules, yes, they are. They are fighting. <laughs> and the person pointed out um, they'd been establishing that Daenerys and fire connection all of season one. You know, she gets in this extremely hot bath in the like oh, first true. or second episode. Yeah, that's true. Um, she, there's another time where the eggs are sitting in a fire and she just picks one out. Mm-hmm. Um and it burns someone else, but Daenerys holds it, and it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, her brother is killed by melting gold. So, yeah. Well, he wasn't know. the true dragon, though. Um, I, you know, but I, but I, I mean, I that's that's kind of one of those f- fan theories that gets batted around. It's not. I don't think it's explicitly stated in the books. Yeah. Either way, I did I, you I, think in that last scene as the camera pans down to Ghost? Did did. Did your memory at all? Oh my God, he did warg into Ghost. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. And I was <laughs> I was actually watching to see what Ghost would do. I, yeah. I I don't think he did. You know, at the way the Ghost react, I think Ghost is just being a, a loyal dog who knows more about his master than we do. You know, so that yeah. was kind of a cool little like, oh yeah, he, the Ghost knows. 
and then it happened. I don't, you know, I think, I think, and maybe they threw that in there just to deliberately mess with people to be like, oh, wait, they're going to think he worked. And then we'll be like, no, he didn't really work. I think when I, going back to my comment about Weiss and Benioff, like not following or adapting, I do think they intentionally put in little mess with you moments just for that, just to kind of jerk with the, the, you know, show watchers and book readers alike. That might've been one of those sort of little like, either nods or like, yeah, we're going to fake you guys yeah. out for just a second. Just if you're thinking, too, if you're thinking too hard about this, don't. Um, well, and, and what about the bigger picture here, which is this stupid effort on HBO's part to convince us that Jon Snow is dead. I mean, I mean what, like, what do, you, do they, I, I, I don't really, it's, it sounds so dumb to, to ask this question in the context of a show about dragons and sorcery, <laughs> but like, did they lose credibility doing that? I mean, I don't think they lost uh, you know, credibility. Like, I, I just, I just think they look kind of dumb and like, like what? They just look stupid. Yeah, that's Why that's what it is. That? It Was just that... looks stupid. I mean, on one hand, you could argue they created conversation by simply being in denial the whole time so they kept it you know they kept it a conversation even though it was a, a false conversation to have well, you know there's that they're like okay they're, but who needs to promote the show any more than it needs to be promoted honestly like you know what, what they're, they're, they're so crazy paranoid about um uh you know like set photos and stuff i mean there was some, you know there was some report last summer of 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 uh, kid harrington telling someone please don't take my photo here when he yeah. was spotted in Belfast or whatever, and the person went ahead and took it, you know, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like just that, it's just like, if they had never come out and told the actors to say, no, he's definitely dead. Like, I mean, I just don't know how they thought that line would work. I mean, in no, their no, no, defense, the he was, just he was dead. dead. He was dead for a little while. Yeah. But, so like in their defense, that was technically true, but they knew, I mean, everybody knew what we were asking. I mean, but think about this: if you were if you were writing the show or you were marketing the show, would you say, "Oh no, he comes back"? Just watch. Like, I mean, what other choice do you have? Well, or just say, or just say, you'll have to tune in to find out. I mean, it's the speculation still would have run crazy just with That's him true. being spotted yeah. on set and stuff like that. I just think it was so stupid. It just, it just like you said, it just makes them look dumb. Like, yeah. why perpetuate this lie for you know ten months of the year? The one when thing no, no one believed it. I know, no, you know, not, not it, a, that, you know, so I saw that like into uh, to a Benedict Cumberbatch is really John Harrison. Like it was that same whole that same old uh, Wicked again, where it's like he's not Khan, he's he's John Harrison. Everybody, look, and nobody bought that for a yeah. second either. You know, it's the same. I don't know. I feel it's just like these old school marketing guys not having a, a damn clue how the internet works or how modern culture works, and you know how people remember. And can easily you know see the rhythms of a story play out. It's just like, come on. I at the end of the day, it's not that this we'll go on looking at and loving the show long after that has been long forgotten. You know, like ten years from now, I'll be like, oh, that's right. Remember when HBO denied that? <laughs> you know, like it just won't even be. <laughs> it won't even be a thing after Westworld completely just destroys us in every way, shape, and form. We'll be like, oh my god, HBO is a genius. You know, it's like there won't be there won't be thoughts back to this really. I mean, it'll just put it in context. I, uh, it's. It- it's really, really weird to me, you know, and uh, and it's one of those funny things where the book, the book doesn't even have to answer those questions, you know. John, John's dead at the end of the book, and readers wonder about it, but George Martin doesn't have to come out and make statements like, you know, no, he's definitely dead. Somebody said <laughs> like he somebody almost doesn't really, want to. Somebody said, so. wouldn't it be hilarious if if the one thing that the show is doing against the books is bringing him back, and then in the books he just stays <laughs> dead the whole time? <laughs> like, what yeah. if that's the one thing George Martin's like, nope. Nope, he is dead. Yes, um, Stannis is the secret Targaryen because <laughs> he's alive in the books. 
Um, At this point, so, I but let me, I want to bring up one more one more other thing about this scene. Um, I I this scene and just this whole buildup. And I'll, I've mentioned this show in the past, but one of my other favorite early HBO shows, HBO shows is called Carnival. And if you haven't seen it yet, there's two seasons out there. It's unbelievably amazing. It's, it is almost the sort of primordial ooze that all these other amazing shows have sprung out of. Some people say The Sopranos and yes, but like in terms of this kind of storytelling with this giant ensemble cast and these amazing locations, Carnival is almost like the proto proto Game of Thrones. You can't have this show without that show kind of paving the way but there's a scene very similar kind of scene uh actually a couple of scenes in that show that are very akin to this john snow resurrection where it's you know they build it up just carefully enough and then they there's sort of a failed attempt and then and and, and if you watch those scenes in that in that show the, the way the music kind of they, they craft it perfectly what i was missing from last night was there was no score underneath melisandre doing her thing it was just silent and the music they cut to as soon as John woke up was almost too jarring. So it's, I feel like they could have done a little bit more to, to just sort of, you know, to, to play with the, the emotions of that scene and kind of just, yeah, even some, some very small or light piano or orchestration or just something while she's doing her thing. And just, I kind of, that was the only other thing I would, I would have wanted if it wasn't going to be, you know, throw them on the pyre. Um, right. <laughs> but I just, you know, again, they, it was still it still had its punch. I just kind of wanted some. I just I kind of left the episode going. Mm, I could have been just a little stronger, you know. It could have just the they could have milked it just a little bit better. Um, yeah, that's just me. It's just my own. Huh. Well, let me let me jump you to another scene, which is um, what what were your thoughts on the entire Greyjoy storyline that we saw? Ah, back at Pike. So, well, first of all. I... I hate to say this, but I think I think poor Yara is going to be leaving us uh, soon. Just it, you know, in the in the grand tradition of the show, when you have a character so kick ass that you know should rightfully be in charge, they're they're probably going to die. So I, you know, Yara is probably not long for this world, sadly. Um, but the the I I left last, you know, the first episode. I think we mentioned it when we chatted last week. I, I just don't understand why the, the Greyjoys or Pike would even be – why even go to the trouble of reintroducing that? you know. But yeah. I, it occurred to me, as I'm sure it did you or book readers that probably long realized this, there are – what does Pike have a lot of and what is Pike known for? Yeah, and what just got burned in Marine. And what just got burned <laughs> in Marine. And, and when I – and actually like once that occurred to me, I went and Googling. I'm like, oh, god, no. Everybody's been aware of this for a long time. So Pike obviously has a lot of ships. And there's a character, and you correct me if I'm wrong. There's a character in the books named Victorian or Victorian, who is Balon's brother. Um, Balon, Euron, and Victorian are all brothers. And Victorian and Euron both come back, and Victorian ends up taking, is it Victorian or Euron that take a bunch of ships to Marine to court Daenerys into marriage? Is that how that usually is? That how that goes, or am I missing? Um, yeah, I believe that's Euron. You're on. Um, you're on Crow's eye, uh, but um, you're on and Vicarion. I can't ever tell apart. I know there's well, something I'm supposed to be aware of that like differentiates them. But what I'm wondering know. is if is if Theon fills in for Victorian because I don't think they cast him and I don't think they're going to introduce him. What if Theon becomes that the Avatar for that story? So he ends up going. Well, that's uh, interesting. Do we know if they cast Victorion? Because I don't think they did. So the two brothers we saw last night were Euron. Uh, we think because I thought it was very weird that neither of them was named. 
Oh, he no, no, he named he's no, he named he uh, Balon called him Euron. He mentioned his he said his name out loud. Oh, did well, did he say like Euron Crow's Eye or whatever? He he named him Euron. I mean, I know the name Euron was was spoken aloud. I just don't remember. I'd have to go back and rewatch it, but I, I I'm almost positive because that's the only reason I know that name was because it was mentioned in the show. I was like, oh, you're on, okay. Um, it's well, weird he so wasn't at the funeral, so it's it's unclear to me how and why and all you know why he's even back and all like that. I'm sure to be revealed. I know it's very weird. So the the other brother that we met was Aaron, who mm-hmm. is the the priest. He's Aaron Damphair. He's been so there before, he, though. We've seen him. We've seen him. He's the like the minister, he, right? Uh, I mean, he's the priest of their religion, which is a religion we haven't talked about a lot, um, which is the the drowned God and the salt throne and all that stuff. Mm. So he, um, he may have been another episode, but I don't remember him. No, he was, he was around last season because I thought he was the creepy brother who everybody had been talking about. Like, oh no, no, he's just a, he's just a priest. Um, but he's the one who tells Yara, he's like, oh no, you're going to have to compete with everybody else. And she's like, oh, right, right. That's Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, anyway, I was very, I, I'm curious what people thought about that scene because the, for book readers, it was confusing because, um, in the book, there's several, like there's speculation as to why Balon died or how he died, whether he was just swept off in a storm or if a faceless man killed him. Um, so it was really weird that like when, you know, when he looks up and he says, brother, like at first I thought, oh, it's a, it's actually going to be a faceless man. Mm-hmm. And Maybe. honestly, at first I thought, oh, holy crap! Did Jaqen Hagar just pull Arya off the streets, give her her eyes back, and send her to kill Balon? <laughs> well, <laughs> that literally like yeah. went through my head. Like, how could she have gotten there so fast? But and then, but well, then he says, "Brother," and I, I think. That maybe that's you know maybe they'll there'll be a mystery and like a couple of well there already is you know Yara's like I will find out who did this and mm-hmm. you know kill them um, so yeah I guess there's supposed to be some mystery on the show is who killed Balon um, yeah, so Euron you're, you're will just show up in some crazy way with a bunch of ships in another episode or two and I'm pretty convinced that that's that's the solution to the Marine ship problem is somehow Pike and that's the only reason to bring Pike back into it is because they have they fill that story need. So if we have to get, you know, if we have to to have a Christmas with the Greyjoys as a result, fine. But you know, that at least, <laughs> at least, at least, it, unlike Dorn, it, um, you know, it made sense to me. It's like it, it just felt more organic to what was going on. Then all of a sudden, like, hey, here's this place you've never heard of that isn't really going to matter in the long run. And it, I don't, I just, I liked it a lot more. I do, I do like the fact that Balon's gone. You know, especially after he, you know, sort of dressed down Yara. Um, I also. It was it was annoying to me they didn't include that flashback like you were saying, you know I was expecting the flashback at the be- you know at the beginning of every episode they do the you know the little montage of flashbacks that sort of tee up what we might be seeing, and I didn't see the whole Melisandre doing the the blood sucking leech thing and saying Balon's name. <laughs> oh yeah, you know? that I, wasn't yeah. there. So when it happened, I was like, oh god, they're doing this now. Like I just knowing that, that he was probably going to go, I was just like, oh shit, they, they didn't tease this at all. And there's a moment where they you know where he has that the stern words with Yara and then he walks out and they, they close up on her just staring at him. And I was like, Oh, okay. We've got a couple episodes of everyone's getting mad at Balon. So we don't yeah. know who's going to kill him. And then the very next scene, he walks out on that <laughs> bridge and I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> like he's a goner. Yeah. yeah. So, and it, it definitely happened. Uh, I mean, that was another moment where I felt like, you know, I could hear the VCR in my head of like, 
<laughs> just speeding, <laughs> like fast forwarding through it. But really, they had to get it done. I mean, there's just yeah. so much other story to tell. Exactly. It was them getting did, out of their own. It was them getting out of their own damn way. It felt like this whole episode was them going. We don't have the books anymore. We don't have all this stuff. Like we can just. We're gonna get. And I felt like all the stuff that happened wasn't. To me, it wasn't throwaway. It was fast, but it wasn't like oh, right. you know, you never saw this coming. And blah, you know, it felt like okay, this all is headed towards something. But they were, you know, they were really clearing the gunk out of the out of the you know the pipes of the story. You know, well, and I. So I'll say one more thing about the Greyjoys, and then I'll move to another fast-forward moment, which is I think I think the ships thing is is for sure a reason why they've decided, you know, the Greyjoys are going to play a bigger role because they're mm-hmm. they're going to maybe team up with Daenerys and get her to Westeros. Yeah. So it would be totally interesting if the Greyjoys, the Martells, and the Targaryens are all like teamed up and somehow you know mm-hmm. with, with Greyjoys transporting Targaryens to the Martells and Dorne. Um, well, and Tyrion but, is the one who can negotiate all that. You know, he is true. very well positioned to be the one to put. If you're like, how could that make sense? Like Tyrion can make it make sense. You know, he drinks well, but, and knows things, as we found out. So like that, and he's there. Yeah. So like it's, yeah that well, that's what that's what he is. He's the negotiator. He's the lubricator. Yep. The I do think that the um, the reason that they that they're like when you say like why why do they appear? You know, um, is because Theon has been such an interesting character to watch and. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, and that was a big, that was a big moment. I thought. I mean, it's quiet, but it's a moment of Theon saying, "I'm going home." Yeah. Last night, and he means he's going back to Pike, and it's gonna, you know. Um, he thought the fact that he thought Pike was a bigger punishment than the Wall says a lot about his state of mind right now, where he's just like, "I well, I deserve he, to be punished, know, and that's going to be worse than anything else I can think of right now." So. so there, yeah, definitely, and there's some significance to you know his father's dead, and he is yeah. the only remaining son. Yeah. of his father and even though that doesn't i think that's the other thing that's weird is i think in the books that the king's mood the rules of the, it's not just when a king dies they have a king's mood i believe i could be totally wrong please correct me i believe in the books it happens because they do like the people of pike do not uh trust theon as their uh rightful heir because mm-hmm. he's like he's a contested heir because he grew up with the starks mm-hmm. gotcha. so they decide to have a king's mood um, where Yara decides to, you know, like join in it, which yeah. is sort of like shocking. Whereas last night they just sort of said it like all factual, like, well, the king's mood will determine that. And it's like, we have one every year. Bring out the, yeah. It was like, it's not the Olympics. Like, get out the barbecue. Let's go. Like, it's, you know, it's not an election. Yeah. Um, so, so it was very weird to see, but I felt like that was fast forward. Um, uh, so the other fast forward moment, which I did like was, um, Arya, mm. did you feel like that was enough begging for her? Yeah, yes. Because if if the if I see one more, I was even telling myself, I'm like, if I see one more scene with Arya and the Waif, just her being this, like, we don't need it. Doesn't down. nothing matters. Like, a the actress who plays the Waif is like my least least favorite act actor on the show, other than the you know. Well, I, I take it back. The guy who plays Ramsay, Ramsay, the character is shitty, but the actor is amazing. That actress who plays the Waif, I could, I want her gone. Um, so I, I couldn't bear one more scene. So the, when Jack and Hagar pulled up, I was just like, okay, thank God, something's gonna, you know. And then I just, I am still mad that they they didn't use it as a training moment for her. You know, it's like she just got the shit beat out of her for no reason. It wasn't like the way it was like, Hey, you get learn to listen to your environment. There was no training involved or Arya wasn't smart enough to go, Oh, I should probably use this to my advantage and learn what I can from this. It looks like that's going to come in the next one. 
just with the little training montage scenes that they've been showing us. But like, yeah. I don't know. I was just, it was, it was a swift end to a, a pointless plot in my mind. I, I agree. And see, that's, that's one of those places where it's, we sometimes favor action rather than plot exposition because the we're you know, they've almost set us up for, they've, for these bad expectations. Like when, you know, in episode one, I thought, Oh Jesus, is this going to be a whole season of Arya being blind and getting her ass kicked, well, and, you know. When so, she didn't learn anything, it wasn't like. Even though, and then it's funny, you know, it, it gets resolved, and I'm like, wow, they fast forwarded through yeah. that. But no, that's what they're supposed to do, you know. Luke, Luke wasn't on Dagobah for an hour. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, if, like if they're not going to show us something new, and and in the two scenes we saw, it was the same. You could have you could have taken the waif beating her down scene and plopped in the last episode, and it wouldn't made any difference. It's like right. they weren't advancing anything. So I'm like, if you're not going to do anything with this, just end it. And they ended it. I was like, okay, great, perfect. Go back to, and and, and honestly, like if Jack and Hagar is not in an episode after, you know, for, for, if he's that, if he doesn't appear eventually, I start to get a little consternated too that guy that actor as as annoying as the waif actresses the jack and hagar actor is unbelievable well like yeah and guy. i think i think we talked about that on the last episode of like why are we seeing the waif put aria through these trials rather than jack and because we enjoy him so much more yeah oh um, yeah so, maybe she was the uh, warm-up act maybe jack is going to be like her true mentor in the in the you know training situation hopefully yeah yeah, it seems like it, especially with what we saw in the you know next week on Game of Thrones. Um, do you think, by the way, do you do you think Arya believes she's no one, or she's just paying lip service to it? Um, I, I, I that's a that's an interesting question. I don't I don't think she really believes it now. I think she's that's part of her training. You mm-hmm. know, like she's learning to repeat that until she gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, that's one of those funny things too. Of like, <laughs> you know, we don't want to see her left penniless in the streets for months. Yeah, but but that is obviously how they train train those you know faceless men and and women and little girls apparently to <laughs> you know forget their identity and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so uh, bouncing to another Stark. Um, what about that brand scene that opened it all up? What? Oh my did god! You, did you get it? Did you like it? Did you? Oh, I loved every minute okay. of it. I I adored it. I adored it because it just jumped right in. You know, it's it assumed that last season he was gone because he was figuring out how to do all this stuff. So it, it didn't. You know, it supposed a certain intelligence in the audience, which I loved. Um, I find it interesting, kind of as an aside, that uh, the obviously Max von Sydow, who plays the Three Eyed Waven now, was not who they cast for that little tag scene the last time we saw Bran. Yeah. It was some other actor. And I love me some Max von Sydow, don't get me wrong, but I, I wonder if there's like some contractual obligation where he has to appear to look exactly the same in whatever he's cast in because they didn't even bother <laughs> yeah. to give him any aspect of the costume from the last Three-Eyed Raven, which I thought was kind of a cool costume, like the beard and the sort of like hippie, <laughs> scraggly, you know, kind of thing. It was just, I mean, Max von Sydow could have walked off of the Force Awakens set right on. Maybe he say. did. He was yeah, like, maybe. I can do it, but I'm already in this robe for Force Awakens. And they're like, just come on over. <laughs> I'll even go back way far to a, to a deep cut. Uh, he was in the Robin Williams movie, um, What Dreams May Come. 
wearing exactly the same thing plus a hat so it's just like he doesn't like they don't give him i love that actor i adore him but it was just like it was a little bit a bit of an off-putting thing at first i'm like is that did that even give him an, i had to actually go google the old actor just to see what the difference was and it was kind of alarming how, how different it is all that to be said though yeah. i love everything about that scene i love that they introduced liana finally as i know a character. it's very and cool there's a lot of foreshadowing there i love that you got to see him basically a mirror scene to one of the season yeah. scenes where instead of rob training bran it was uh eddard training or no yeah eddard training um uh the other stark the the uh night's watch stark uh uh, uh benjen benjen there we go god that was cool like that that throwback was cool and again that gave me more feeling of oh this is like season one and two and three you know it was that kind of thing it was cool seeing winterfell as a happy place again you know that had, we yeah. haven't seen that for a while, and more importantly, it was really cool to see how Hodor started. Like the fact yeah. that he—that uh, was like—I mean, just little reveals like that. Where and, uh, does that happen in the book at all? Do you know? Is that was that a show specific thing? No, it was definitely a show specific thing. Oh, that's great. That's even more. That makes <clears throat> me more happy. And that's that's the liberty they have now is to be like, oh, we're going to tell you. We're going to give you a little. We don't have to tell you the whole. You know, there doesn't have to be a whole Hodor episode, but just giving you like you know what he was like as a kid and hey he could speak as a kid and like well now it's like what happened to him and you know that's a i'm sure a cool little thing we'll find out along the way yeah it's um yeah it it was very cool scene did you uh i mean how did they do it (laughs) how did they do what (laughs) how did the three ed raven and bran end up back in winterfell like what do you think was going on there well, they were obviously warging. You know, it starts with their eyes kind of glazed over like they do when they warg. So it must be some kind of advanced warging into time and space itself. You know, my guess is that, you know, in the last year that he's been gone training, that's what they, you know, there's probably like endless episodes we would have had where he's like, all right, Brian, <laughs> we got to go. You know, he does it for five minutes. He does it for 10 minutes. I adored the line that he delivers where he's like, you, I, that was something cool. Why did you pull me back? He's like, it's always beautiful under the ocean, but if you stay too long, you'll drown. You know, that wasn't exactly, or I was like, it's always yeah. more beautiful under the sea, but if you stay too long, I'm like, I love that sentiment. Cause I'm, I was very much like Bran. I'm like, I want to see more of this. This looks cool. And you know, so the fact that there was a, a decent reason for why was yeah. really cool and delivered by Max von Sydow, of course, any, anything that guy says is just cryptic and meaningful and interesting. So. Well, and I, I, my, my guess, and I believe it's probably something that I heard from another podcast that was much smarter than I am, was uh, that they recast that role because they thought of a better way to present that stuff than it mm-hmm. is in the books. Um, and they, you know, and it kind of occurred to them like we ought to just have their bodies walking around in these flashbacks. There's no other way mm-hmm. to sort of talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will be interesting, you know. First of all, it's cool to see Bran walking around. Yeah. And yeah. secondly, like, like I guess secondly, you know, if you're going to do that, you ought to have Max, uh, you know, von Sydow with you, and not just some bearded guy that's part of a tree. Yeah. Um, what What is missing for me is that that when Bran uh, it meets the uh, Three Eyed Raven or Blood Raven or whatever he's called, like in the books. That's one of those moments where all this stuff, like creepy magical stuff, happens, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's especially uh, tightly written in a way that's like, oh my god, I just, you know, sort of like putting things together, which is which is the thing with Martin's writing is like, you know, which is probably deliberate, but mm-hmm. you've, I, I think I've said before, like I had to read the Red Wedding like three times because I was mm-hmm. like, what just happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you just kill everybody. <laughs> Um, you know, there's just some vague stuff. Like it's like, you know, it's not like and then he shot Rob in the chest. It's like, 
uh, Rob, his shoulder was feathered with a dart. And you're like, feathered with a what? Um, So when when Bran goes, you know, becomes part of the tree with uh, the tree man that's already there, Mm -hmm. to me, the coolest part about that is how it shows that the old gods are like an active religion, which is something I brought up in one of our like earlier podcasts last week or the week before, where it's interesting to see the religions that work quote unquote yeah. in Game of Thrones, because all those weirwood trees that the Northerners pray to mm-hmm. have a face carved into them. Mm-hmm. And that's how the, <laughs> the old gods see they see through all those trees mm. and to them, like time doesn't exist. They just see all scenes at mm. once, wherever they want to go. So when Bran becomes part of that tree, he can just access any weirwood in the world and just Is see there, Well, okay. And this, this gets us slightly into, as, as far as I understand, slightly so. gets us into spoilery territory for next episode. But is there, a, is there a weirwood, weirwood tree at the tower of joy? Well, I think, um, I think the show's doing away with that conceit. Okay. And especially because what, you know, when I um, like, I don't know, cause I don't hang out with a lot of book readers to talk about this stuff, but um, warging is definitely like, you know, it happens in the books, but it's, but that's a term I hear more from viewers mm-hmm. because that's how they're interpreting everything. And so I think your interpretation is correct. Like that's what the show is seeing you is that there's some super warg power <laughs> and it's, it's not necessarily religious, but the part, to me that was always so fascinating was that the ravens and the trees mm. were like a physical manifestation of this religion. Cause I think what they end up doing is seeing through the eyes of the ravens that are ah. flying from these trees okay. um, or something like that, or they can see through the face of the tree or whatever. And it was just so fascinating to me to be like, wow, that's so crazy. At the end of their religion is literally a guy slowly becoming part of the tree himself that has gotcha. this like magic power. Um, so I well, do that's... think they're just kind of skipping that, which is fine. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, this is me maybe, uh, you know, just throwing that out. There's like an enrichment kind of detail. I don't No, I, I appreciate not that a criticism. I, I just, I'm fascinated by that, that like, you know, we see the drowned God and we see the, the seven as almost like more traditional stuff. Like George Martin's said that the seven pretty much represent the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, see, so the red God and the old God seem sort of, you know, mystic Samaria and weird, or something, but it yeah. turns out like they're the ones that actually work. <laughs> I did. I did find it. It's interesting. You mentioned that this is a, a complete, just random detail, but the, uh, the one, again, going back to Max von Sydow, like the way they portrayed that character in the last, the last time we saw him, he was very much entangled into the tree. Like it was built yes. in three more. This just looked like Max von Sydow was just kind of hanging out on a, on a stool in the, you know, in a branchy area. You know, it didn't feel like he was as, taken by the tree so i don't uh, again just small small little quibbles but the other part of that scene that i really dug and it, it set up all this and it, it really kind of struck me i was like ooh, interesting was when um jojen's bro- uh, sister what's her name mira mira is hanging out outside you know and and the little uh redesigned forest child comes up to her and is like you know why are you so sad and she's like well it's you know she's I don't know what I'm doing here. Like I, I just sit here. And she's like, "You're gonna have to be with Bran. He's not gonna be here. You know, she, you're gonna have to help him. He's not gonna be here forever." Right. And I'm like, "Oh," because I this whole time have thought, "Oh no, he'll just once he's there, he's just gonna kind of operate out of this this you know this mission control center for all of Westeros and do his thing." So what is he gonna end up doing? Where's they? Where are they gonna send him? Like what? I don't know. That's that, so that... interesting to me. And 
I love the fact that the the brand actor is really good now. Like that kid is <laughs> like in just the short time we saw him, I'm like, oh man, this kid's chops. Are, I mean, he was always he wasn't never terrible. He was never a terrible actor, but he just conveyed so much in that short little period of time. I really I can't wait to see more of, of what they do with him. Yeah, I I agree with that too. You know, he um he, I can't you know <laughs> when you're whatever a 16 year old kid or something they're like yeah say these lines but don't move your body <laughs> at all yeah it's got to be really weird and he's done oh, no he's done great this, you know so he's done great with um, what he was given D- don't get me wrong but like i there was something about his his well he definitely like he showed back up after one season and he seemed to have like grown a beard and aged like 10 <laughs> years and his voice was all changed and everything and it was like abrupt like we were like whoa you yeah, know, it, it sort of distracted us from whatever acting job he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, he, and you know, he did a lot of like riding around in a wheelbarrow, just yelling at Hodor. That's yeah, season or whatever. <laughs> that's true. I, I, and I think I was more. I think I was also a little surprised he didn't age as much in his time off. I kind of expected him to be like, oh, uh, you know, like even more. But if anything, just had a shorter haircut and he was just a teeny bit. Yeah. You know, taller but that was. I just you know even his appreciation for the fact that he could move around freely in this sort of. Yeah. dream dreamscape like just a lot of little things like that yeah um well, let's he, that oh, um he uh, uh what was i gonna say i do i'm interested in what the children of the forest are alluding to like he's got a, another role to play because yeah. i think i i mean what i took away from that too was like the white walkers are going to come destroy this place maybe mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm right or not but um in the books as fascinating as it is like that that like religious part of it was very mm-hmm. cool to me mm-hmm. but the um the general like yeah let's catch up with bran in this tree was extremely boring yeah. you know i actually tweeted out the other day this <laughs> screenshot from an amazon review that i saw before i read the book where this guy just his amazon review was just catching up with the characters and the like you know them not doing anything it's like i'm davos and i run errands for king stannis mm-hmm. it's a living and then it was i'm bran i am a tree because that's literally like the whole book is just him, you know, like yeah. in the roots of the tree having visions. Um, so yeah, hopefully they give him good, good ghost busting to do. Let's um, let's kind of wrap up with any final final sort of musings on things. I think the one the other big scene we sort of glossed over was just the Ramsay Roos Roos scene, which oh, at this point yeah, we've got two. Then let's hit that one. At this point, what is there to say about Ramsay that hasn't been said before? He's going to Ramsay his little Ramsay head off, and but we're all just going to see the Roos death coming. No, and two things were were interesting about that. One, how much it mirrored Roos's killing of. Uh, oh yeah, Catelyn. Uh, uh, well, Cat, no, not, well, not uh, maybe not Catelyn, um, but uh, Rob. Rob, Rob the, there we go. God, yeah, yeah Rob. Jamie Lannister. Sends the way it was Rob. shot, and just like even like the the position of the bodies. The other thing was, and maybe you were, you were like this too. I didn't know who had killed who for a few seconds. I was like, who just killed? What? I for whatever reason noticed Ramsay's knife, even oh. though he always kept it there. Mm-hmm. I noticed it like when he went over to hug Bruce and I was like, mm-hmm. here it comes. <laughs> I, I missed that completely. And just the way they both like, cause Ramsey kind of like jilted back. Like he had been stabbed. So I was like, Oh God, did they kill? Of course not. Like yeah. I, I do like the fact that he's kind of sewed his own fate with that, you know, especially after yeah. Bruce deliberately told him like, you know, if you act like a mad dog, you're going to get put down like a mad dog. And now he's the mad dog in charge. So it's like, what else can happen? See, that was one of those places where, um, I thought the action was like so many other times Game of Thrones like lets that simmer for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those places where I thought if you're going to kill him, now is the moment. You just uh, found yeah. out there is a legitimate heir to the throne and your father just told you he's threatened you with feeding you to the pigs. Yep. 
and he stabs him. So, and I, you, you've made a note about this, about, um, Lady Walda's, uh, death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you want to say about that? I just think, you know, we, this, this, the only part of the episode that kind of was like a throwback to last season was when they drug us through the whole, like, how he's going to kill her. What's he going to do? Oh, he's going to take her to the dogs. Oh, they're going to let the dog. Like, I mean, I was surprised they didn't just let us see the dogs, like, you know, munch on her. Like, they did everything, but they, they cut away at the last possible second. And I'm yeah. like, that was such a season five thing. All they needed to do was just have Ramsey go, you know, tell the maester, bring her and bring her and my brother down here. And, and wouldn't that be like, more you know, of like, uh, that would be such an old, like, you know, uh, like old school horror movie kind of thing yes. to summon her. And then in the next episode, show her funeral or something. Yeah. Or just show, show or, him like gnawing on a him. bone or something, or like a dog gnawing right. on a bone with like Walda's, or like a baby's wrap or something. It been like, so oh much God. Creepier, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's just like, what we got was just too, it was too in your face. It was too just ridiculous. It was always too cartoony. You know, it was just like, I, eh, we didn't need it. So I, I would rather they have just cut that shorter. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting to me about that is, is, Again, the fact that Bruce kind of foreshadowed what's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if Walder Frey is super pissed about all this because that Walda yeah. was his key to kind of you know, higher and greater things. And now that she's gone, killed deliberately by Ramsay. And I don't know, you know, this poisoning thing is obviously not going to hold water when both Bruce and oh she God. and the kid were all killed. You know, so it's like I would imagine Walder yeah. Frey's allegiances are going to change again in a hurry. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the phrase do now because we we are getting more of that. Like last season was was so not the Game of Thrones, yeah. And we're getting a bunch more of that now. Where you're right, everything Rue said, you was, just was totally nailed it. You just totally like, nailed the problem with last season. Is that it was the last season? There was no Game of Thrones being played. <laughs> well, it's so weird because for at least seasons three and four, and maybe even before that, I was thinking. Oh my God, people! You have got to pay attention to the problem coming over the wall, mm-hmm. and and then it's so. I guess what I hoped for in season five was more of that turning their attention to the global problem and not the little local stuff. But in retrospect, it really it really took away from the whole. You know what what got us there in the first place was all that backstabbing and politicking. Yeah. Yeah. And then for them to throw it away for a whole season, because even when Littlefinger shows up in season five, we didn't. You know, he just sort of tells us like stuff that he's doing with the Knights of the Vale or whatever. We don't know. Yeah. You know, like, no, we don't get to see that. Like, he's made some deal with the Lannisters and the Boltons, but we don't see it happen. So we really missed out on that. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to see it now because we've got, you know, there's all these, all the power is changing hands. And Balon said, you know, they called it the War of the Five Kings and four of of them are dead and then the very next scene he's dead so all five kings are dead <laughs> yeah what was the other scene um, that you uh that we missed that we want to give quick well, shout out to? yeah i got i had two quick things on walda one was when ramsey asked if he could hold his brother uh i swear in this in the shot like in the shot that's on him before it switches to the shot over his shoulder on walda there's a well <laughs> and oh, I was so convinced he was just going to take the baby and throw it down How the wall. How did I not notice that? You like, noticed was... all this stuff in that scene. I didn't. I didn't catch any of that. Oh my god! <laughs> and then the second thing was after last week, there was some uh, uh, griping online that these dogs that tore apart, you know, the Theon saw hunt people mm-hmm. didn't do anything to Sansa when they caught up with her. But mm-hmm. I noticed that the dogs that he releases to kill Waldo were like angry, like pit bull Rottweiler things. Mm-hmm. And the ones that 
found Santantion were bloodhounds. Gotcha. So that makes sense. I just yeah. I, I was like, wow, that's a really clever detail that they put in there. Like yeah. these were the tracking dogs that they released on Theon and Sansa, not the hunting dogs that are going to eat them. Yeah. Because they yeah. knew we've got to bring them back alive. So that's why those dogs just ran away when everybody started getting hacked to pieces. Gotcha. They weren't the hunting dogs that were going to eat people. And it explains why Theon was afraid of them because he was like, no, I've seen these dogs. They're going to kill us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway, so the last thing we got to hit is Tyrion uh, releasing the dragons. Yes. I mean, Which it was to small. Me, oh, good. I, I am so team Targaryen for Tyrus for Tyrion right now. <laughs> you want you want him to be a Targaryen? I, he is a secret Targaryen. So to, 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 sure. flesh, to flesh that out real quick for those who don't know, there's a there's a rampant fan theory that is probably next in line after Jon Snow is is a Targaryen is, is that Tyrion is the is the son of his mom, but also um, er, is it Aerys Targaryen? I don't know. The Mad King. Well, the Mad King. Yeah, yeah. Wanted Joanna. Is it Joanna Lannister? I think. I think um, so. Want you know, lusted after <laughs> her and actually raped her, which is why Ty, you know Tywin is kind of offended to have this. You know, he never really loved Tyrion. Tried to drown him when he had him. Like he was just this reminder of this thing that happened. And if that ends up being true, it almost speaks more to Tywin for keeping him around and actually like you know giving him the last name Lannister and all that stuff. I don't want it to be true. I don't want him, and I've explained this last time, or I, explained, I think yeah. it was our preview. We did, we did bring it up, yeah. I don't want him to be a Targaryen. I, you know, as cool as it would be, yes, it would, it would, you know, all this fan wish fulfillment would be would be fun, but it takes away from his struggle and his sort of trying to find his place in the world. And his, even though we don't get a lot of sense of this from the show, Tywin was very different from his father. His father was kind of a, a, a slack-ass loser, and Tywin built their fortune. It would be really cool to see right. Tyrion very similar in a very similar vein take a complete different direction from his father and build his own place in the world i want that for him as a character yeah i i get that um uh <laughs> what was i gonna say you um, want him to be a targaryen you want it so bad well you want I'll, him to walk through the what's, flame okay, what's bringing me around that way is that um the the big thing with the targaryens is the three-headed dragon like that's their mm-hmm. sigil and um uh, there's there there actually when you fall down the YouTube rabbit hole on this it's amazing so there's a great uh, scene between Tywin and Tyrion where Tyrion is asking for um, Casterly Rock or whatever like his you know he's like you should make me the heir with Jamie mm-hmm. gone and Tywin says because I cannot prove that you are not mine mm-hmm. I kept you around but I'm not giving you are never going to be my heir. Did he? Um, I didn't remember that at all. I remember yeah, that scene and that conversation, but I don't remember him saying those words. That's so when and then there's of course there's like this lore that they have planted in the show too, which is uh, Tywin says to Arya when she is like his, um, you know, handmaiden. Remember when she's pretending yeah. to be someone else and she's in uh, Heron I Hall. Love, I love those scenes. I love yeah, those, those scenes. Are great scenes. Um, and, Maisie Williams and Charles Dance. It, it, that's. I her and then she had like the same chemistry with the hound actor too she's really good with these these british actors so she that scene well there's one where um he says something about uh i don't know if it's eris or if it's rygar or one of the or aegon or whoever wants some targaryen that was riding a a dragon and she says well his sisters too Mm -hmm. and she brings up there were three of them that rode the dragons Mm -hmm. and there's always three that ride the dragons and danny has three dragons and so if danny we know is a targaryen and John, we're pretty sure, is a Targaryen. What, are you just going to put a Lannister on the third one? <laughs> no, they're going like to dredge up Aegon in season seven if, and, and try to explain his story. And, and 
<laughs> if Tyrion's going to be a dragon rider, I think he has to be a Targaryen. Well, if 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 that proves true, last night's little scene was a good little shout out to that. You know, it was a and good in the so in the in the books, one the Martell that's gone to Marine goes in to see the dragons and gets burned to death. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't believe it when I knew that scene was coming. I was like, "Oh my god, are they going to show him not getting burnt?" <laughs> yeah, you know that's like what was on my mind, but. I, you know, I think even if you don't believe that Tyrion's a Targaryen, it totally fits with his character where he yep. somehow sweet talks these giant monsters. Um, I loved the the part where, I, you know, who knows which dragons, which were the second one, like, turned to, yeah. to get him the neck, like, cool. right where the bolt was, that just was proving cool. its intelligence and everything. Um, I did feel like, again, it was a little rushed, but I only feel like those scenes are rushed in comparison to the scenes that are so slow. Yeah, so, exactly. to me, it was like... Finally, Tyr- of course, Tyrion is like something has to be done. I'm going to go do it because yeah. none of you will do it. Yeah, you know. I love and I love that they give him that. Like he's returned to that sort of position of I know. Like again, very much like he was in season two when he was the the, the temporary hand of the king and was just running around like yeah, he knew what, exactly. He knew what to do. He knew like it was a lot of that again. And you had God bless Colin Hill who plays Varys. Like that dude, his little looks and reaction. Yeah. shots and everything like he didn't have to say anything just him standing at the top of the stairs while Tyrion's walking down there was just yeah. magical like i love that well, i love he gives him this tiny little nod when Tyrion comes back up it's like if i ever suggest doing something like that again punch me in the face i love and that it's like there's just this tiny little acknowledgement of it that was really good <laughs> i um, love that so, i love yeah, that whole scene that was a good scene let's move to the like a preview for the next episode unless there's anything else you want to hit from this no episode. i think we covered it i'm sure there's some we didn't cover yeah. but it's good lord there's so much going on how could we fit it all in so yeah we've officially well, talked hit, longer than the episode itself which is always you know a good sign well i'll hit the crazy thing first and then we can talk about the other stuff which is there's a fight scene that was previewed in the in the second trailer for the season mm-hmm. that has now been previewed in the next week on game of thrones and it is i'm gonna say absolutely a flashback at the tower of joy mm-hmm. i was a little like the first time i saw the the next week on I, I was confused, and that's why I went back and watched all these videos on people like picking apart the trailer. There is a Targaryen uh, sigil on the armor of one of the knights fighting, mm-hmm. and so we all, or we all, <laughs> the people who believe that you know we know what's happening is that that is um, the Kingsguard of Eris. And then there's this knight that shows up to fight that says something like, I can't even remember the line. It's, you know, some real cheesy thing, but um, he definitely has a, a Ned Stark ish. Uh, I saw that, you know, Irish kind of accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I believe that like that is Sean Bean too. Like he had kind of the yeah, eyes that Sean Bean has. So yeah. Arthur Dane. That's the knight. That's the uh, Kingsguard um, that, that we think might be the Targaryen's Kingsguard. And I won't even bother. And, just if you want to know what Tower of Joy is, go Google it. You'll you'll have a lot of fun figuring out what that is. Or that. But, but yeah, there's, there's so much. There's more. a tower in the background. It's just that there's a couple weird cuts that make it like one of those other things where you're like, wait, are Bran and, and Three Eyes in the same place that this is happening? Or did they just cut it to make it look that way? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah, yeah. were there there's only one other scene that I really noticed that i thought was such a, a creepy part um but if there was anything that you saw coming let me have it <laughs> uh you know the only, the only other scene I, I found interesting because yeah obviously john snow's back we got two seconds of it so what happens yeah. next there's a shot of what seems to be him 
kind of wandering through the wildling camp out, you know, in at the wall, and they're all like staring yeah. at him, like, "Yo, you're you're Jesus." Apparently, May first is 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 Easter in Game of Thrones because that's when Jon Snow <laughs> comes back from the dead after being in the tomb for three days. But he comes he comes out, you know, and then I think we hear, um, I just forget Tormund, you know, Tor- Tormund, Tormund, yeah, Tormund's just like they think you're a god, you know, like is that yeah. is that whole thing? So it's like, and I'd love to see how that what they do with that. And then more importantly, I want, it didn't show but I, God, I can't wait to see how Melisandre reacts to this. I'm so yeah. fascinated by what, what she going to be. Is she going to be all cocky? Is she going to be like grateful and, and, and more pensive? Like what, what is her character now after this? Maybe she's the person they think is a God, but I, I love that you point. picked that up as like, he's walking out because I, I don't think we see any of him, but I think that point of view is definitely like from their feet, sort yeah. of looking up at the crowd so yeah it's almost like you're you're from john's like pov of like him walking into the courtyard or something but maybe he is sort of in the periphery maybe there's a body there that i didn't notice but yeah yeah yeah, it's it's creepy so the the one thing i picked up on is that um uh uh ramsey's like what you know there's some scene where he's confronting these northern lords saying what how dare you come here what brings you here and they say we brought you a gift i think it's rickon you think it's rickon Yes, because Rickon and Osha went to stay with the Umbers. That's right. um, I believe. I don't remember. It's not the Karstarks whom they, you know, previewed in that last episode and then then had a Karstark in the scene where uh, Ramsey kills Roos. But I think this is the Umbers bringing um, Rickon to him. Uh, At least I certainly hope it is Rickon and not Theon or Sansa because I just hate the idea that people keep escaping and keep getting recaught. So I, but here's the problem. I, it's not going to be Sansa. We know that that's almost a guarantee, but it, it, I wouldn't mind if it's Theon, but if it's Rickon, like that poor kid's going to die in 10 seconds. Like I, what, what the hell is Ramsey at this point? What is Ramsey not going to do to him? You know, I just, well, I don't see, I, 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 he can't kill them because of what Roos explain to him about the strategy like uh, you know you don't have a tie you, you don't have a hold on the north they're never going to support anyone who's not a stark and you've got you know um you're lining all these houses up against you, you can't just go around acting like a yeah, mad dog he just, he, just, now he, he's, react, he responded to that by up and killing his dad and going yeah, and basically going, i'm gonna do this my way so i yeah, don't you know I, I agree but it, it the if the umbers and the, there may be something about why the umbers are pissed at at the Starks too, but if he's got that, if they deliver him, maybe his maybe his deal is like then he sends a crow or a raven to uh to Castle Black and tells John like we've got your little brother mm. and you know send your sister back down here. And instead, <laughs> John sends the wildlings down there, and that that because you you know that's what's coming is that John's going to lead some army of some sort down yeah. to retake Winterfell. So maybe that's the the spark. Well, and it would be really cool if, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Samantha, but I would love it if all these like big action pieces started happening this year so we can kind of get ready for the, you know, the actual Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. I want, you know what, I just, as I'm thinking about it, I would love at some point this season to have a scene in Winterfell between um, John, Rickon, and Sansa, maybe Bran, but probably not, but those three at least reuniting in Winterfell and just, you know, dealing with all the shit that's going down like just after after the dust settles just those three kind of being like we're a family again oh my god yeah just even for a moment just would be cool to see some sort of reconstruction of the winterfell we knew you know yeah that would be interesting 
Yeah, I have a couple of like grim predictions that I won't say on that, <laughs> but on like who I think is going to eat it this season. So I <laughs> give so, me one. Give me one that I would never see. Well, I, th- I think Rickon's pretty pretty safe bet. Really? I just don't think. Um, I just don't know. Like, why would you? He's that character's not been developed at all. So if they're going to use yeah. him as some kind of tool, I I totally agree with you. Like, and especially with all the other stuff with Ramsey, it's like. Yeah, how did how else did you think he was going to act? He is Ramsey, you know. I feel like Rickon needs to be saved though, because at the end of all this, he might be the only one left to take Winterfell back. You know, he might be like oh. the sort of you know the sort of ambiguous if he young was lord. the one that escaped unscathed, you know. And I mean, maybe Sansa is there, and she, you know, he's he's like there too. But it, it's not going to be John. It's not going to be Arya. It's not going to be Bran. So it's either going to be Sansa or Rickon. And Sansa, I feel like, is going to have some other moment of something else is going to happen with her. So I feel like there's got to be Rickon's almost just kind of being held there. Like story wise, like, and then he'll, you know, when he grows up, he'll be, he'll start the cycle again, you know, something where it's just right. like, you need one of the, one of the innocent ones to like, you know, you can't just be some fucked up, like just tortured person, like running Winterfell. It's got to be somebody who's like had it relatively easy. I would think, but that's just that be interesting. I, I, that's a cool theory. I support that. Like if he just shows up and he's like the, the, you know, the unscathed <laughs> Rickon that's like <laughs> Rickon the unscathed. That's his name. That's yeah. his... <laughs> I forgot my crazy ass prediction is that I, I wonder if since we've seen Hodor as a child, uh-huh. if whatever accident occurs that takes his speech away from him is somehow related to him knowing the secret of John's parentage. Ooh, that he's there with them at the tower of joy. Wouldn't that I be... wonder, wouldn't that be amazing? Especially when we see old Nan, take him away and say, oh you're never going to be a fighter. You're, you know, a farmhand or whatever. Well, and she does that. And Ned's like, if he got, if he learned to fight, he'd be yep. the strongest mofo out there like that. I love, I love that by the way. I love that Ned was a huge fan of him as a kid, you know? And then like, that yeah. would explain so much though. That would explain There's... why they, there's a, a video that I'll link that was IGN made where they theory. pull apart the trailer um, <laughs> where they're showing this is Arthur Dane with the Targaryen. And they say, and we think he's fighting Ned right here. But when you look at it, it's kind of a pudgy guy with a beard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not Ned. Although, and they and they show that person has a shield that looks like it has the Stark sigil on it. Um, but that person does get stabbed, like run right through <laughs> Um, with a sword, but it, it does, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's Robert or Ned. Mm-hmm. And I, and I just kind of went through my head of like, Oh my God, what if that was Willis getting wounded and it taking his speech from him or something? God, that'd be great. He knows. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, that makes so much. Oh, now I want so this. crazy. So then, I want this because so there's bad. kind of this continuing question of like everyone who knows the secret of John's parentage is dead. So yeah. like, what is like, is Bran going to realize it through, you know, his sort of time travel teleportation thing. And then if he ever does, how would he ever tell John? Like, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, we'd have to get those two people back in the same place, but if it, what if it's like Hodor <laughs> that can like walk around and just has the secret in his head. God, that'd be great. And he's seen so much like Hodor yeah. might be the secret to all of the key to all of this is Hodor. Yeah, and he's so much older than I thought he was. I thought that was yeah. a cool thing about that scene too. Yeah. Is realizing like, oh, of course he has giant's blood. He's probably like two hundred years old or something. Well, yeah, he's like he's like the Hagrid of this whole thing. I mean, literally. Yeah, I mean, almost the exact same character. Uh, yeah, man, I'm so glad you said that because last week I was kicking myself for not calling Sam the Hurley of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know. Oh, wow. You're so right. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we, Sam we is Hurley. We were talking something about Lost, and I was trying to think of that name. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah but, you know, that guy. That's like, so what if it turns right. out it's just Sam's dream or something, and he's like the Hurley of this? God, that'd be great. Well, on that note, I, I can't think of any better way to, to wrap yeah, this we've, up. Yeah, we've totally angered the two people that left the comments for us. <laughs> <laughs> we've angered them we pissed off everybody who thinks this is an hour so no still th- with thank us, you both for leaving you. comments we really love that stuff uh thanks for hanging with us while we talk crazy theories and other stuff and hopefully not too much too many spoilers and book stuff that's yeah. right you can you can download this wherever fine podcasts are oh yeah uh, we didn't even announce that we are yeah. now on google play we are uh, google play has now incorporated podcasts we submitted got reviewed and approved so um if you're an android user you've probably already got the play music app on your phone just look for todd and taylor show um if you're on itunes we're already on itunes soundcloud uh, we're on soundcloud that is our home base and you can find us at toddandtaylor.com that's right. And I am at Taylor Trask on Twitter. And, and you? I, I am at Hey Todd A on Twitter. So tweet us up a storm there. Find us. Give yeah. us your feedback. We will. We would love to, to read more letters from y'all out uh, and, and kind of keep the conversation going. So let us yeah, know how you. Such you a think. good episode. So. I loved it. I loved it. Can't wait for next week. We'll see it. We'll see you next time. Same, same. What, I was going to say same bat time. That doesn't make any sense at all. Hmm. We'll, uh, Next Wednesday, right? <laughs> Next Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday in Westeros. Oh.